My name is Dr. Pamela, and you are watching The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the science and the practice of joy as a catalyst to our relationships, our resilience, our restoration, and our resistance. So today we are going to be looking at this idea of JOMO, the joy of missing out. Now, I know we've often heard this idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out. And what we're going to be doing today is looking at the opposite and how that actually can nurture our joy without having that fear of missing out. So we're going to be looking at this from the standpoint of three different truths. Now, truth number one is less is more. So there are times where just doing less, thinking less, processing less, being around less people <laughs> is actually more and can yield much more joy than the opposite. So less is often more. Truth number two, when we experience resistance, that is not necessarily always a sign to fight harder. Sometimes it's actually a sign that maybe we're not going down the right path, or maybe we need to allow that resistance to send us a message that maybe there is something else I should be doing or considering. And truth number three is that stress relief is a great roadmap to joy. Now, we can't eliminate all of our stresses, but we can certainly identify the stresses that help us, that hurt us, that should not be there, and make decisions around which types of stresses we want to maintain. Now, I want you to get a friend and get a pen and let the joy whispering begin. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. Honey, what I think you need is a socket wrench. I play JV basketball. I'm sorry. I don't think it looks right. This is good, that? and it's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. His real name is Darion and we call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something whether it's affection, attention, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. Just do it from the right place. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. I'll say my kid's pretty dope. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Today's theory to live by is really inspired by a book by Tanya Dalton called The Joy of Missing Out, Live More by Doing Less, and also by researcher Dr. Kristen Fuller. 
What they really were examining here is what this idea of the joy of missing out looks like. Because we often hear, you know, fear of missing out, social settings, what that means in our life when, you know, we could potentially be left out of something. So as they talk about the joy of missing out, Tanya in particular applies this to the workplace. What does this look like for leaders who are, um, you know, engaging with their colleagues or with the people that um, work for them? How do they engage in a joy of missing out? Well, let's first look at the fear of missing out. For a leader who has a fear of missing out, it's not necessarily that they want to be invited to all of the parties or that they, you know, are not going to some kind of event or on some trip um, with their colleagues. It is more so about wanting to be a part of every email in every meeting as a part of every project that is going on, even when it's not necessary, even when their skill set doesn't even contribute to the value of that project. That's the fear of missing out. And what Tanya Dalton suggests is that leaders who can really embody a joy of missing out are okay with not being a part of every communication that occurs in their company. It's really about trusting their team members. And so looking at that from a leadership and a corporate standpoint, we can also consider Kristen Fuller's view, which brings in the fact that this is a form of emotional intelligence. So as you think about our, our conversation throughout today's show, think about how the joy of missing out is actually a reflection of your emotional intelligence. For all research and resources displayed on today's show, go to thejoywhisperer.org and click on the episodes link for more information. Truth number one, less is more. Now, there are many of us out there, like myself, who tend to overthink things sometimes. And how can we, you know, be the best at what we're doing? How can we maximize every opportunity? How can we have the deepest and most fulfilling conversations um, when we are engaging with other people? And, you know, sometimes it is okay to just simply scale back and minimize things. Um, there are great examples. Are there's, there's people who prefer to live a minimalist life um, in terms of how they decorate their homes, the ways in which they travel, the strategies for how they spend money. And the reason why they choose this minimalist lifestyle is because it eliminates a lot of that noise. It enables them to focus in on what actually matters to them, what's truly important to them. One of the things that I noticed as I uh, was recently on vacation is that the types of food that I eat, no matter where I am, I tend to be pretty simple in the way that I eat. Now, I will try a variety of different things, but there are some cultures and some dishes that are Full, they're they're full. They're fulfilling. There's you know a whole bowl of lots of things going on, and and there it's heavy and it's weighted. And one of the things that I learned about myself is that when it comes to food, I am pretty much a minimalist. I keep it simple. Um, I like to sort of see the different ingredients that are involved in my meal, and to be able to. Um, indulge in each of those ingredients separately. And a lot of people make fun of me because of the way that I eat. But I am. I, I tend to be a minimalist when it comes to food. Less is more in my you know point of view. Now, I'm not judging those um, who do like the more robust, full plates of food types of meal. I mean, that's that's absolutely okay as well. But when we are looking at this, this whole idea of how to really focus in on those areas and those things that have um, the depth and the meat and that really matter to us, how do we make sure that we are able to do that without the distractions of all of the other elements? So let's look at this from the standpoint of um, engaging with other people. You know, sometimes um, depending on your personality or what's important to you, what position you tend to assume when you're in friendships and relationships, um, there are things that are that are really important to you and that you want to make sure is a part of your friendship. So as you're engaging with other people, how important is it for you to 
articulate that, articulate the things that you want um, within that friendship. And then what other things do you allow into the friendship sort of to crowd the relationship that distract you from the bare essentials that you are seeking in that friendship? So sometimes when you think about what are my bare needs, what are, are the core essentials that I need in this friendship, and then what am I willing to sort of allow to be a part of this so that the other people's needs are fulfilled as well? Now, if there's a clash, so for example, you know, all I need to do when I'm on vacation with friends is to just really sort of chill, relax. I don't need to party every night. I don't need to have a full schedule of a bunch of things to do, but for other people, that might be exactly what they need. And with that being the case, how does that color the relationship that we have as friends? Can they accept my more minimalist perspective when it comes to travel? Um, can I tolerate <laughs> their more robust experience um, when we travel? And so being able to sort of narrow down to the things that are really important to you allow for clarity and allow the opportunity for you to ensure that your needs are indeed, you know, being met. Now, again, if we look at the friend who has, you know, the, the need to have a robust schedule, we start at 6 a.m., at 8 p.m. we have to be here, at 10, um, I'm sorry, at, at 8 a.m. we have to be here, 10, 10 a.m. there, at noon here, and we have all of these things that are scheduled, that really is, um, it, it can be overwhelming. And so think about whether or not this is you, Does, do you have to cover Every single thing that is available, or are you able to scale back a little bit and say, you know what, today I'm just going to chill. Now, it doesn't have to be that way all the time, but if you can embrace a less is more mindset, sometimes you'll be amazed at the amount of clarity that you can achieve. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Roll that ball, Diane. Woo! You got this. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. There is power in joy, and today's power gear is the Joy Whisperer Lifetime Member Collection. Now, this is one of my favorite colors, and I'm able to rock my lifetime membership shirt as a tank top. Now, there's also sweatshirts, t-shirts, even mugs that don the lifetime membership. Now, if you are committed to the idea of being a Joy Whisperer, and if this is how you want to represent your life in joy, then I encourage you to consider wearing the lifetime membership gear. People are going to ask questions. People are going to wonder, lifetime membership to what? And that is when you can speak to a lifetime membership 
to joy. Now check us out, go to the website, thejoywhisperer.org, and look at all of the different options in this particular design. This is one of my favorites, and you'll see others that are new as well. So check the website every couple of weeks to find out what we've got going on that particular week. Now, I really want to dive into this concept of the joy of missing out versus the fear of missing out in the workplace. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I want to really dive into what that looks like and what that means and how that applies to your life and your situation. Um, I'll start with myself. So one of the things that I take great pride in is in the joy of missing out at work. And I've always been that way. I have been that way even as a new professional and just really believing that I need to carve out time for myself to make sure that I am rejuvenated for the rest of the workday. So sometimes, you know, my entire team might want to go out for lunch while we're, um, you know, in between meetings and so forth. And sometimes that's fine. But there are times where I really take joy in missing out on that. I am good with going for a walk by myself or sitting somewhere and recharging, even sneaking off to the gym or reading a book, taking the time that I need for myself and being willing to tell the team, you know what, I will catch you guys well, you know, at the next meeting. Um, because for me, taking that time has always been a priority. Now, as I have sort of climbed the ladder and have pursued and acquired leadership positions, started companies, built initiatives, and so forth, I have really, um, and I'm glad that I had that foundation because I've really embraced that to a whole new degree at this phase of my life. Um, and that's really because I have the privilege of having team members that I can fully and wholly trust to take care of things for me. So there's no need for me to necessarily hover over things, to be a part of every single meeting that happens, to be a part of every project that happens, but really being secure in the fact that I have sort of um, acquired a team of people who are great at what they do, who have their own set of strengths, who don't need to be micromanaged in um, you know, uh, the, the different projects in which they engage. Um, in fact, there are some things that I just actually don't even want to know about. And, and that's talked about um, in a lot of different writings about what it looks like for a manager or for a leader um, to have the joy of missing out. Sometimes there are just some things I just don't need to know. And to really be at peace with that idea and not, you know, kind of poke around and try to figure out, um, you know, what's going on. Now, of course, to some extent, you want to make sure that you're in the loop in terms of how the things are flowing and so forth. But there is a difference between being in the loop and having a genuine fear of missing out as a professional. So how do you adopt more of a JOMO, joy of missing out mindset, over a FOMO, fear of working out, working out, fear of, fear of missing out mindset. How do you balance the two or decide what you want to pursue? There are times where, sure, I don't want to miss out on the outing. I don't want to miss out on this particular meeting. I want to be in the know. I want to be in the loop. It's about the frequency. And it's about the intensity of the fear. And it's about the reason behind the fear. So if the fear is, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, be disvalued. I don't want people to think X, Y, or Z about me. And it becomes about more of an outer-centered approval. Then that fear of missing out can be really damaging to your own mindset and your own progress. Now, if there is a fear of missing out that is just really more about, um, you know, I want to engage with my colleagues, I want to build relationships with my colleagues, then I would say it's probably not a fear of missing out. It's probably more of a um, desire to engage, a desire to be a part of the process. And as far as the joy of missing out, really being able to make decisions around what makes the most sense for you. What actually brings you joy? And are the things that you're trying to insert yourself into 
things that actually bring you joy? Or is it just sort of out of obligation? Or is it out of um, fear? What is the root of why you are plugging yourself into those things that you're plugging yourself into? So as a leader, be very conscious of whether or not your behaviors and your engagement is about a joy of missing out or about a fear of missing out. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you see any other competition else one on the horizon? In terms of competition, yes. Well, that's great. It all sounds great. Uh, hey, Jim, listen, I'm, I apologize for that. Uh, I think there was some sort of a delay on, on my phone there. Yes, well, uh, it frustrates me as well. Yeah. All right, I'll call you on my cell phone next time. Bye. Good. Really nice. High five. Really nice, man. Really good. Do you feel that? Did you feel that? Feel what? The rhythm. The rhythm. Did you feel the rhythm? No, to be honest, it, it was very hard for me to find a rhythm when I'm, I'm reading and I'm trying to sell and, and actually talk to a human being over yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah, you'll pick that up. Listen, word choices are very important. Yeah. That's why I wrote the word competitor. To elicit a certain response. And that rhythm, the rhythm. I really need you to get that. The rhythm. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. a dance. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. We got someone interested. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. But they didn't consider selling before. Ba-ba-ba. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it. You got it. Look at that, I got it. You're getting there, buddy. You're getting that. Yeah, well, to be honest, Greg, I thought I was doing pretty good on the calls the last 10 years. Buddy. You were doing okay, but we could all use a little refresher. Yeah. You know, Greg, when you came here, I was sort of hoping that you would you know, deal with more pressing issues here around the office. My philosophy, James, is to start with the building blocks. You fix the little things, and the big things take care of themselves. Sure. Let's go get some salad. What do you say? Hmm. Maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. If I could be you, and you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. If you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Yeah, before you abuse, criticize, and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Well, before you abuse, criticize. Walk a mile in my shoes. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. So one of the beauties of social media is that you often have opportunities to hear the wisdom from people all over the place, from around the world, to down the street, to your colleagues, to your friends. And so one of the things that I came across recently was a pretty awesome post by Vita Shields. And what she was talking about is this idea that resistance is not necessarily a sign to keep going or to keep pushing and really loved what she had to say about that. 
So I'm going to share some of that clip with you and, and would love to hear your thoughts and insight on that by way of comments and jumping on the social media to offer your thoughts as well. I've also had the opportunity to engage and have a conversation with Vita Shields, and she is with me right now, and I'm going to give her an opportunity to introduce herself and share a little bit more of this wisdom with our audience. So hi, and welcome, Vita. Thank you. Thank you, Pam, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so I, she already said my name, Vita Shields. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I'm a professional in corporate America. I've been doing recruiting uh, sort of leadership, uh, you know, for a long time, almost 20 years at this point in recruiting. And um, I actually am making career pivots at this stage, kind of moving into more coaching, uh, uh, career transition, sort of life motivational stuff. But um, I'm I'm on the back end of that experience of transitioning out of corporate America. So um, very, it's been an interesting path, I guess, up to this point. And so I am learning a lot about the topic, uh, even as I'm going, it's kind of, we say like you're steering the ship as you're building it. So yes. <laughs> I'm kind of going through that right now. <laughs> the resistance stuff, so. Well, you're not alone because there, this is, again, I probably mentioned this on every episode of my show so far because we're in it, this great resignation, you know, and people are pivoting, people are shifting and, you know, it could be a sign of the times, but it also can be a life phase because I, you know, I think we're probably in right around the same life phase. And this is the time where people start really thinking, hmm, I might want to do something else. So you're right in there with, with most of us. <laughs> Full vibe happening right now. Yeah. It is. It really is. Yeah. And then there are people who are terrified of that, but I think that there is this greater sense of camaraderie now because I'm not the only one, you know, this is a trend. This is a thing that's actually happening. So, yeah. Yeah. The flow, the flow of things. So I, it, it's funny. So in, in college, uh, we actually have a mutual friend, you know, error her out on here, but we have a mutual friend that I attended college with. And, um, in college, we had this, uh, psychology course that we had to read a book called the flow. And, I think a part of the the concept of why I posted uh, came from that, just from a psychology standpoint, but also from a spiritual end of it too. I've been noticing more, I guess, in my own life, just how patterns of things and cycles of things come come through. People say that you repeat cycles and patterns that you haven't learned the lessons from, right? Yeah. And so I've been learning a little bit more about kind of letting letting go, I guess, in my own life and. Um, being open to how things are flowing. And I always say even good or bad, like I think people, we tend to, uh, we want to polarize and um, think of things in like duality, like it's either bad or it's good, or, you know, it's dark or it's light, you know, and sometimes there's just gray in between and it doesn't have to be good or bad. You can um, take the learning from either end of the spectrum. And that's kind of usually the truth is more like in the middle. And so for me, like that, that concept of like flow and just being in the moment and experiencing the moment that you're in, like feeling all the feelings, you know, learning all the lessons, you know, like really deep diving on things and maybe not to get too personal because I'm still kind of, like I said, in the throes of life changes that I'm going through. But quite honestly, the corporate America thing is one of those things. Like I, you know, again, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I've gotten to the point, and like you said, maybe it's because of the great resignation, maybe it's because of COVID, maybe it's because the past two years, we've had a lot of family losses. My, my mom passed like a year and a half ago, and I've just experienced a lot of like an opening up of my emotions. Like I'm, I'm being more empathic, and so I'm feeling a lot more, just the energy of how things are happening and um, paying more attention, I guess, uh, to, to what's happening around me and in me. And I'm having to face like difficult truths, <laughs> you know, about oh, oh, that'll do it. Everything else, right? Yes. And yeah. So, yeah. Um, career was one of those things. It's the easier to, thing to talk about, I think, right now. But the career career path thing is just do I really feel passionate about this? You know, is this something where I really feel it comes easy for me, like where it, I flow in it, right? And um, you know even if I flow in it, is it something that brings me joy, right? The joy whisper, right? Like, does it actually bring me joy to do this? Right. And I was finding myself losing the joy, you know, and it felt more like work and it was more of a struggle to wake up every day. Um, I'll share this one, one example. 
I, I came home from work one evening and, and this is actually like the turning point when I decided I'm not, I'm not doing this particular job or this particular career anymore. Um, and maybe exiting corporate America. I came home and, um, this, you know, six, seven o'clock at night, still wrapping up work. I have a four-year-old, um, a little bit of a late bloomer. I started late in life having, having my child or children. So, you know, she's four and I'm in my forties. And I come home and she just wants to play. She's four, you know, and she's like, mommy, mommy, play with me. And I'm, I'm still doing work. Right. And so that half hour, hour passes, two hours passes. I'm still wrapping up, you know, and she's finally like, mommy, please play with me. And I like literally turn around and kind of snapped a little bit. Like I, I told you, give me a second, you know, and like, whatever. And I, you know, I, she's four. So she, she cries sometimes about, you know, cause it's Tuesday or whatever. Right. She, she started crying. She you know, like, yeah. Right. Right. It's just her, her shoes are pink. Right. But, um, yeah, she, she just started weeping and she's just like, mommy, you, you don't, you don't love me. You don't like me or whatever. And you know, that's like, that broke my heart. Like my little girl, it just broke my heart. So I knew like at that moment, it's, it was kind of, it was changing my character and kind of how I interact with people. And it's like, I knew at that moment and I was only like three ends in three months into this role. I'm like, something's going to change, you know, that was kind of like the beginning of it. But to me, that push, that pushback that I was feeling that discomfort of, I don't feel comfortable in this role. I don't feel joy in the role. I'm literally at work. My computer's breaking down every five minutes from no anything that I've done, you know, it's not user error. I just, I've had, I'm on my like third computer at this job, like weird stuff. And I'm like, no, like really, really pay attention. Like what is, what is aligning in your life? Like, what is this, what is this, um, you know, the spirit of what's happening? What's the energy telling you in the moment, you know? And it's like, maybe I need to pause for a second and like rethink it, you know, like it's not always a charge to press forward. What do you say to people who see situations like that? And they say, no, you need to overcome. You need to you know, create new strategies to spend time with your daughter. And, you know, cause I think what you said about character change was huge. Um, and a lot of people miss that and they will gloss over it and, and still, you know, no, you, you, you know, you've got to pursue, what are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. Uh, you know, I'm no guru or anything like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly somebody who, I try to feel, you know, uh, and I, like, I haven't felt very empathic until up until the point till my mom passed. And then all of a sudden I felt everything. Right. And yeah. I think at this point, I probably, the things I would tell somebody three years ago is different than what I would tell them now. Um, I, I, I usually was the person that would just push through. I can do it. I can will myself over this wall, you know, and I have the skills, I have the abilities. I, I, I've been doing this for 20 years. Like if it's an issue in my marriage, I can just power through it. Like, no, now it's kind of like, okay, let me do like the internal piece of it. Like, let me actually look at how I'm feeling. Where's it really coming from? Like, what is the root of what I'm feeling? Is it really about the job or is it about grief? You know, is it really about, is it really about grief or is it really about, it's time for me to do things that come easy to me that I love, you know, and that will are palpable. Like when you, when you're doing something that you, that you feel joy about, it's easy for other people to feel joy from you. You know, like, you know, I I don't want to use words that are loaded words that will scare people, but you know, there, you know, energy words, spiritual words, you know, people say channel, that's like a weird word, but like truly like when you, the vibe, let's just use vibe because it's an easier way to say it you know, when you are interacting with somebody who really is joyful, you feel the vibe from them. Like you feel joyful in the presence of joy. You feel love in the presence of love. You feel empowered in the, in the presence of empowerment, in the presence of knowledge, in the presence of wisdom and people embody that. Right. And so am I really being able to do all that in my workspace right now? No. Every, every once in a while, something is awakened where I get to talk to someone and it's like, Ooh, that little gem just slipped out, you know, but that's yeah. not what I get to do every day. Right. And so, you know, 
I would not charge forward now. I would I would get more in tune with like what's happening on the inside of me and how's that impacting the people around me and, and like identify, like get to the root of what it really is and, and deal with the root. Like, and, and, and part of dealing with the root is being truthful. Like if you're not gonna be a thousand percent truthful with yourself, a thousand percent truthful with the people in your life, a thousand percent truthful with, you know, you and God, because you know, if you're somebody who believes in, you know, God or higher power or whatever, whatever you call it, there has to be a moment of like you being fully revelatory about where you are. And because from there, that's when all of the the opening up and the, the good things start to come in and you start to unpack the stuff that's hindering you from moving forward. And sometimes you can then push forward in the very thing that was giving you pushback, right? But you can't do it before you start addressing the truths and like the inner work. Some people will call it shadow work or whatever, but there's yes. things that are the hidden things that you have to work through in order to get to like the good stuff. Like right. The yeah. And a lot of people are terrified of that kind of work, um, you know, and so, yeah. And so instead of dealing with it, it's like power through, push through. And, you know, we're taught that as, um, you know, as athletes in particular, um, and so we just, you know, do what we've been taught is push through. And that has been a positive trait. You know, I mean, that's been something that, you know, has gotten us through to get the win to, you know, you know, make a difference. Um, but it also is something that can be a double edged sword if we don't know when to use it, when to put that away. Um, you know, because I know that one of the so one of the things that, um, you know, I am you know, I push through um, on a lot of things when it comes to starting a business, when it comes to writing my book, you know, I'm all about goals and accomplishing those goals. And I'm, I can be very laser focused. But when I try to apply that to dating and relationships, <laughs> that doesn't always work. <laughs> I don't think it ever has worked, actually. <laughs> if you're a doctor, you're not going to use a chainsaw. You're going to use a scalpel. Like the instruments are different at times. The method has to be different at times, but you were an athlete, right? So yeah. you know that if you power through, uh, did you play basketball or what was your sport? In college, it was softball, but oh, softball. Well, yeah. softball, we'll use that. So you slide into to home plate or whatever you're going to do and you, and you, you turn your ankle and tear it up, right? Um, you powering through that injury only can further injure you going forward yeah. right like, and sometimes we don't realize like powering through the situation may cause more damage than if we just get corrected right here like find out what the thing is heal the heal the situation or fix a remedy or find an alternative strategy here and then try to push through when you're at a, a place of understanding you know a lot of times we don't have the understanding yet because we don't know what we don't know you know, right. I just, I just had a conversation with my, my husband, I won't go into all the details, but we've experienced a very genuine <laughs> breakthrough for us, you know, and part of what was coming of it is that we didn't know what we didn't know. Like we're, we both, everybody has their own personal truths and, and things that they have to face in their life. You know, our upbringing, our egos, our pride. A lot of times we're, we're looking to fix that in other people. And we haven't fixed it in ourselves yet. And oh, so yeah. until we fix it in ourselves, there's like, there's, we won't even, we won't even see, we won't know the remedy of how to do it in someone else until we do it in ourselves. You know, a lot I have to throw in the plank, the, the scripture about there's a whole plank in your eye right now. Oh, two by four. And yeah. you're yeah. literally yeah. <laughs> trying to pluck something out yeah. of mind. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's legit. And, and what I, and another thing you, you're kind of on scripture and I don't quote scripture that often, but like, there's another one that's like, and I literally just read it. That's the only reason why I can like quote it. It's a quotable right now. It's like James, it's like five sixteen or something, but it basically says like, confess your faults to each other, you know, and so that you can be healed. Now, if I put that in the context of something like workable, like a, 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 a business plan or you know, a relationship or, you know, a career move or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. The wall that you face sometimes, if there's like ego or something going on, you know, with ourselves, you know, we right. have to be open enough to share that with a trusted person, right? And when you share that with a trusted person, the fact that you even express it unblocks that thing that is stuck, 
in some ways, you know, and then what normally ends up happening is that either that individual who you've shared it with, they have a dialogue with you that now something creative can be sparked, you know, within the conversation, you know, new thoughts can come from that, but you know, there's not a lot of water that can flow through a dam, <laughs> you know, that's a walled up. <laughs> right. Know, like it has to be opened up or unblocked in order for things to flow. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. <laughs> I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. Today's Whisper in My Ear is brought to you by Vera Loft, where creatives enhance their view. Now today's question comes from a social media post and you know, I find some of the best questions there if people don't reach out to me directly. I've always got a ton of questions on social media to pull from. So this one is asking about ghosting. And the question is, when somebody ghosts you, what do you do? And, and so one of the responses that I saw from a relationship um, you know, expert was saying that there are four things that you can do when somebody ghosts you. And the first thing that comes to mind for me, especially when we're thinking from a Jomo ex- um, perspective, joy of missing out is maybe there's not much I need to do if somebody (laughs) ghosts me. Now, of course, there are some considerations to keep in mind. You know, how long have you been dating the person? Is it six years? Is it three months? Has it been one date? Has it been 12 dates? Um, So, of course, that's going to impact what it feels like, you know, to be ghosted after that amount of time. But should this happen, how do you address this from a joy of missing out perspective? Now, if we're being fair, it's reasonable to sort of attempt to reach out and find out what's going on. And if they continue to not respond, if maybe after a few attempts to reach out, they don't, they don't respond, um, it then becomes time for you to consider what it means to sort of gradually transition out of that situation. And why I say gradually transition is because, you know, your mindset sometimes it has to follow the action. So when you think, you know, I'm going to move on and you, you know, you engage in the behaviors of moving on, if your mind is still there, then you're going to experience some distress over that situation. So be real with yourself and give yourself the time that you need um, to truly transition yourself mentally, physically, Um, sort of out of that realm of that particular relationship, that particular situation. Now, if this is a situation that's completely uncharacteristic of the person and there's a potential that there's something wrong, that they may be hurt, now, of course, we don't want to assume in cases like that that we've just been ghosted. But if it is a case where we have genuinely been been ghosted, and I will admit it has happened to me as well, It is really important for you to embrace the bullet that you just dodged and find joy in the opportunity that you may have missed out on something that wasn't good for your soul anyway. So how do you change your mindset from that of abandonment and rejection to that of, I have just been saved from a situation that probably wasn't going to be good for me anyway. It's all about a mindset shift. All the mean, rotten, contemptible, crooked. Crooked? I just think you'd be glad to find out I'm not crooked. You can't even be honest about being dishonest. Less stress is a lifesaver. One of the things that we hear about often is the, the damage that stress does to our bodies, mentally, emotionally, physically. And it is so important for us to take this in and receive this as truth because 
we can enhance our lives immensely when we start to pay attention to the types of stresses that debilitate us, that wear us down, versus the types of stresses that empower us, that are absolutely necessary, and that in fact fuel us to keep moving forward. So all stress isn't bad stress, and this is what's really important to understand. So there are those forms of stress that empower us, that actually apply pressure to the point that motivates us to rise up, to make a difference, and sometimes is just a necessary part of growth and change. And so those types of stress, so for example, the level of stress that you might experience when preparing for a test and wanting to pass and wanting to do really well on that test, um, the anticipation that one may experience when they are getting close to childbirth and they know that there is going to be a lot that needs to be done in preparation of that birth and even after that birth. So there's going to be levels of stress there as well. Maybe even the stress that you experience coming home from work, sitting in traffic, really wanting to get home so that you can start the second half of your day. So those types of stressors are stressors that are a normal part of any process, any transition, whether that transition is towards childbirth, from going, going from work to home, or so forth. So those kinds of stressors are, are you know, expected. But there are other stressors that we put on ourselves that we actually create that are absolutely unnecessary. So, for example, if we are obsessed with what other people are posting on social media, if we are looking at other people's lives and we are overwhelmed with how hard it must be to get a life like that and why their lives might be like that and ours are not, um, those are the kinds of stressors that bring us down, that are debilitating, and do not add an ounce of positivity to our lives. And those are the stressors that we actually have a choice to embrace or to reject. So when you think about this idea of the joy of missing out, I want you to consider the joy of missing out on unnecessary stress, the joy of missing out on those things that only serve to debilitate you, to bring you down, to make you even question your worth. So a lot of these things, you know, there, there are some things, if you do an assessment of your life, you'll find that a lot of these things are created by you. So how do you respond to people, for example, who say no? You know, how do you, how do you embrace no when you have a request? Are you overly stressed by it? Do you internalize it and take it personally? Or do you have a sort of a self-talk conversation with yourself and say, you know what? They said no, because that's what they needed to do for themselves. It does not have anything to do with me. I will find another way to get it done. That's one response. Another response is to demand an explanation, to try to talk them into whatever it is you're asking them to do to try to persuade, to berate them for not doing whatever it is that you requested. That is stress that you are voluntarily bringing upon yourself. So a lot of times, the way that we choose to respond to certain situations can either add or take away from the stress that we experience in our lives. And so we've got to be really honest with ourselves. And we've got to take a self-assessment around what is what is the stress that's there because I'm simply engaging in a transition versus what is the stress that's there because I am bringing that stress to this particular situation. It takes a lot of self-awareness and honesty to be able to assess yourself and look at your responses and determine which responses are going to give me life versus the responses that are going to only add more stress. More of The Joy Whisperer coming up.
you go. Thank you. Thank you. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. If you love them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. easier said than done, especially when those stressors are related to racism and other oppressive structures that may be out of our control. Now, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, it's just about how you respond to those situations, but it's not always that simple. It's actually quite more complex than that. So I'm reading this book, and it's, it's a phenomenal book called Under the Skin, and it's by Linda Villarosa. And what she did is took all of her years of examining the medical world and, and health and how um, Black people in, in particular um, struggle with health and what the roots are in those struggles. And she emphatically comes to the conclusion, as with many other studies out there, that the racism and the implicit bias and even the bigotry that permeates the medical system in the United States is largely and contributes largely to the the health and the wellness of black Americans. And so there's a section in here where she compiles her research and she shares it um, with the medical um, professional world. And, and I want to share how they responded to this particular report because it was eye-opening for a lot of people in the industry. And even the New York Times um, responded with feedback in terms of how compelling the study is and how it's time to take action. And this report that she published is called Unequal Treatment. And so to that report, a New York Times editorial in March 22nd, 2002 was sharp in its rebuke. And it said, to the extent that doctors are shaping their treatments based on subconscious bias or false stereotypes about how blacks or Hispanics will respond to their ailments and their treatments, the only lasting cure will be greater awareness and education for medical professionals, as the panel recommends. Now, if you go on to read here, a, quote, a quotation by Goeth included in the first pages of the report would prove telling. The quote is, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. And as Linda Villarosa says here, the report that she wrote is not enough. Since its publication, hundreds more studies have examined the explicit link between racial discrimination and the physical and emotional health of black people and other people of color, yet have seen little forward movement on solutions. So we know that we are living in this landscape in which our, our, our physical health, our mental health um, is really in jeopardy 
and at the mercy of medical professional professionals who continue to engage in um, under a racist institution, under institutions that um, give preferential treatment um, to people who are not of color and ignore some of the concerns, the pain that's expressed by people of color. Black mothers in this country are number one in terms of maternal death rates, um, right alongside with their children. And many of these deaths occur due to neglect, due to lackadaisical care, due to not listening and not hearing what the mother is actually saying, to not believing when they actually say that they're in pain. So the level of stress that this type of racism causes is the kind of stress that impacts our mental and physical well-being. Because mentally speaking, there is always this fear or this lack of trust, this apprehension around whether or not the care that we're receiving is going to indeed protect and save our lives. There were many cases that Linda Villarosa cited in this book that's, that, that resulted in un necessary deaths. I had a friend make the analogy that the way that we are seeing black men die at the hands of police officers in the very same way we're seeing black women die in maternity um, rooms and hospitals. So these are levels of stresses that needs an institutional response. Significant literature documenting that African-American patients are treated differently than white patients when it comes to cardiovascular procedures. There were differences in whether they received optimal care with respect to cancer diagnosis and treatment. African-Americans were less likely to receive appropriate care when they were infected with HIV. They were also more likely to die from these illnesses even after adjusting for age, sex, insurance, education, and the severity of the disease. Disparities existed for patients with diabetes, kidney disease, mental health problems, and for those who were pregnant or were children. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. And I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. So this week's gift to myself is something I've never done before. I actually traveled to a new country. I went to Costa Rica, where I learned that the favorite saying in that country is pura vida, which basically means the pure life. And I love it because it really did represent the pure life. And so where I'm standing now is, it reminds me so much of Costa Rica because of all of the greenery and the lush hills that overlooked the beautiful ocean. And the reason why this was so important to me to take this trip is because it was something new. And what it does for me is broaden my horizons, you know, to get to know other cultures, to practice my Spanish, to even have a desire to get really good at a new language and better understand new cultures. I had the opportunity to take a boat, which was a water taxi, into um, a little town and really just sort of walk around in the town, enjoy the food, and really take in the most authentic part of their culture. And it was just an amazing experience. Now, when we do things like this, we begin to understand that there's so much more out there and it's such a big world that we have the opportunity to engage in new activities and the sky's the limit. One of the things I've learned about Costa Rica is that there have been a lot of Americans, black Americans in particular that I've been hearing about who are relocating, who love Costa Rica so much that they are actually uprooting and moving to the country because it is just truly a genuine, peaceful place <laughs> so, like this, you know, there, uh, the nature is just overwhelmingly beautiful. So I encourage you, find an opportunity to check out something new and you never know what you may do. The joy of missing out is one of the things that can give you a level of peace that you didn't even know you can have. 
Like I said, we have people that I know who are doing racism here in the United States who decided to go to Costa Rica to see something different. What does it take for you to experience the joy of missing out on the things that do not bring you life? Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Joy Whisperer. To catch the show every week, go to this SSN TV channel on Roku from noon to one o'clock every Thursday, Eastern Standard Time. And remember, joy is our greatest energy source for our relationships, our resilience, our resistance, and our restoration. Brought to you in part by Vera Lofts, where creatives enhance their views.